Today is Monday, July 24th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today we talk about if God calls someone to be a pastor, uh, what should you do if a man tells you no because you don't meet their qualifications or whatever? Uh, short answer, if God calls you, do it. Forget what man says. Um, I mean, if man is in line with the Bible and you're disobeying the Bible, well, then listen to man. But ultimately, if everyone's trying to follow the Bible and everyone's like following what the Bible says and God says yes and man says no, ignore man. God is your ultimate authority, which also gets into our larger conversation of church authority. And, you know, are we talking local, small, biblical church authority or massive conglomerate organization church authority? And, uh, yeah, so, so we start off talking about that. It's a good conversation. Then we move on from the topic we cannot seem to get away from, women pastors. I don't know why it's so hard. I don't know why we spent like uh, three days on this. But, uh, oh, boy, we try again. Um, anyways, so women pastors, part three, or is this four? I don't, I don't even know anymore. Anyway, someday we'll get away from this. Um, so we talk about that, and uh, it's a good, deep conversation, though. So if you haven't listened before, listen. Um, you're going to hear some stuff maybe you've heard before if you've listened before, but there's always there's always new little tidbits and new people and new flavor and new new scenarios to be presented. Um, anyways, <clears throat> so we talk about that. Then we talk about uh, John 1, well, 1 through 14, the Word made flesh, the Word was God, the Word is God, and Revelation 19, 13, that says, in case you can't figure out what the Word of God possibly is from John 1, Revelation 19, 13 tells you it's Jesus. That's the Word of God. Anyway. Uh, the logos. So check these out. Um, enjoy the conversation. If you'd like to join and contribute live, the link to join is in the description. We're using the Clubhouse social audio app, so you can join us there and contribute. Ask questions, give answers from a biblical Christian perspective. Um, come meet us, come say hi. Uh, anyway, check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, free to read with Kindle Unlimited subscription. And check out the Ask a Christian store, grab a coffee shirt, coffee shirt, coffee mug or t-shirt and support this broadcast, uh, support your own answering questions. Wear that t-shirt down the road. I'm sure someone will be like, oh, you're a Christian. You have answers, do you? <laughs> and then you can answer them. Anyways, you don't have to be a scholar. You just have to know what you believe and why you believe it. If they start asking about the metaphysics of the universe beyond, just be like, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. Would you like eternal life? Um, anyways, so... <laughs> Um, also you can click the donate link to our PayPal and chip in a couple bucks to help us out that way. This stuff, unfortunately, is not free. Um, so thanks for your support and keeping us sharing the gospel with people on the internet and supporting the faith of the believers and answering questions of the seekers and skeptics. So take care and enjoy this broadcast and share the links. All yeah. right, well, let's get your take on this. So apparently I just have a problem with authority. So, I mean, you know, I guess we got to accept government authority in the countries we live in. Otherwise, you know, might, might doesn't make right, but might makes the way things are. So, you know, you kind of got to play by their authority, um, even if they're dead wrong, because, uh, you know, they're going to flaunt it over you real fast and uh, bend you to their will. So there's that authority. Um, you know, I, always, I don't know. I, I had a problem with teachers uh, sometimes. Like there were some teachers I really liked and there was others that, you know, kind of went on a power trip. I didn't like that. And most recently, you know, it's like, look, God's the ultimate authority. I happily am okay with that authority. Um, I mean, that's like the only authority, you know, there really should be. I mean, I know the Bible talks about he sets governments up and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's not saying I hate all authority, but people that misuse it or where it just doesn't apply, like church authority. <laughs> so where do you stand on that, guys? Um, like, I, I've been seeing like all these fights. It's like, 
goodness, I just got to get out of it. It's supposed to be like religious discussion groups on Facebook, but all it is is like Catholic versus Protestant versus Orthodox. That's all the discussion ever is. Anyway, so it was about like, oh, whose authority? Oh, you want to be a Christian? Well, how can you be a Christian if you don't, if you're not under this authority or this authority of this church? I'm like, oh my gosh, like you guys are, are missing the entire point of the Bible. You don't need a, a church organization. You need to be in the body of Christ. You need to be part of a church, a local body, but you don't need some crusty dude in a funny hat and dress to tell you you're, you're an okay Christian because you're under that church's authority. Like that is, that is so unbiblical. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, th- I think, I think, uh, church authority is important. Um, uh, not, not in the Catholic sense, not, in, not the way they, you know, you belong to their particular, you know, yeah, Roman that's Catholic what I, church. That's what I mean. Yeah, not, not like saying you, sense, you specifically but... have to be part of like the Catholic Church, otherwise you're an unsaved devil. Like yeah, like yeah. local church authority, like submitting to the pastor and you know elders yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I yeah, get. But that's, that's like the, the know, local body. Together. To say yeah. that you have to be Orthodox or you have to be like EO or you have to be oh, part no, of no, a no. religious that's... institute. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. It's like these that... people who who are part of these religious institutes legitimately think you cannot be cool with God unless you're part of their conglomerate and I'm like, that, is, that is so wrong and that's why it's so wrong and that 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 takes away from the gospel you know it takes away from christ and what he did on the cross for us um because you're adding a new uh, or a step that you must do in order for this to take place for for another in order for salvation to take place and if you don't have that thing then you can't be saved and that's that's why it's wrong and sad that people absolutely uh, yeah. And then like there is this there's this uh um there's this other thing coming from the same people. I guess when they decided to take a break from that for like two seconds, they they posted this thing talking like kind of as, as a slight against Protestants, and it's like, Oh, you say you're a biblical literist, right? But then you ignore this part of the Bible, right? And it was um it had like the a priest in a confession box and it had a guy um, you know, confessing, clearly Catholic. Um, to the priest, and it had the scripture that says, you know, confess your sins one to another so you may be uh, be healed. And uh, and they were trying to say, like, in somehow their mind that fit. I'm like, guys, that's no sense of the word. Confess your sins one to another, like, brother, please help me with this. Brother, here's my struggle. Brother, pray for me. In no way says confess to a, quote, father who can forgive your sins. So, like, they're taking that, and I'm like, how do you not, like, even if you agree that confessing to a priest is good, um, like, how do you make that verse make sense of it? Because you're, you're not confessing just one to another, and you're not confessing so, you know, you could be, quote, healed. You're confessing to a dude that calls himself Father, which, by the way, the Bible says, you know, don't do that. You have one heavenly Father. Uh, and you're not being healed. He's trying to give you the power to forgive. Well, we know Jesus says, you know, only God has the power to forgive. So how can they forgive sins? And I'm sure they'll say, well, they actually don't forgive sins, but they blah, blah, blah. But come on. I mean, they're trying to forgive people's sins. They're like, do this, jump through these hoops, you know, pray the rosary a thousand times, and you'll be forgiven. I, I don't know. What do you think, Caleb? Uh, yeah, I know. I, I don't like taking authority just kind of blindly or just because I said so. Like, I, I do think that people who abuse power, or who hold really strongly to that, are borderline cultic. I don't, and I'm not saying that for any particular, particular denomination, but I feel like any pastor or any church that wants to have like 
unquestioned authority where if you question the pastor like you're out, that's just cultic. And I think churches should have, um, you know, checks and balances in place. I mean, the, I, the church I used to go to, non-denominational church, had it to where the elders, you know, the elders, uh, the people would elect the pastor and there would be elders that would do it. And the elders would have to switch out every, they'd have terms and they couldn't serve two terms in a row. Like they'd have to have like a waiting period of like a year before they could do it again, just to kind of keep the door evolving and make sure no one was in too much power at the same time. So I think having a more democratic way of doing that might be uh, helpful to kind of make sure people don't abuse power in the church. That's probably not a bad idea. And, and then uh, someone listening right now was, was bringing up a point the other day. They felt called to be a pastor, but they said something um, something that was hindering them was, I guess, a, a affiliation. Feel free to jump up and talk about it if you like. But I don't know if it's a specific group or church or denomination that that was preventing them because they weren't or, ordained in, in their system. Um, and I, I didn't, you know, that's about all, all I heard because I was doing some work and other stuff. But um, I would say, you know, if someone's called to preach, go preach. Like, you know, get a chair or, you know, go, you know, pull up to a parking lot. Like, so, I mean, it's it's what kind of preaching do you want to do? Like, do you want a, a building with a steeple and a congregation? Um, well, I mean, it's definitely easier if you have a denomination backing you. Um, but, I mean, still, that's just a matter of difficulty. It's not a matter of whether or not you can do it. So if some denomination says, well, you have to do this, and you have to agree to our terms, and you have to be ordained our certain way, um, I mean, you know, for people that agree with everything they say and agree with their interpretation of Scripture, well, fine, do that. I mean, lots of people do. Um, I mean, there's plenty of fine denominations out there that won't let you preach unless you're ordained by them. But, um, you know, if someone's like, well, you can't be part of our system, fine, I'm non-denominational. Right. I'm going to preach in the Walmart parking lot. So, I mean, if you want to preach, go preach. So you're not overly concerned with, like, they have to be ordained, like, if they want to teach at a Lutheran church, but they're not, like, a technical. I mean, yeah, I, I, I get that. Um, it does seem a little petty. Do you think that they should have to be, like, ordained at all? Like, if someone, like, do they, I, I, I understand that seminary training and professional training is preferred, but, like, if they were able to, you know, if they sat down in a room with the elders and were able to give all the right answers and, and were clearly well-versed in theology, and if they never had, like, professional training, would that still be fine? Or do you think there's, like, minimum? Maybe a better question is, if, assuming that they qualify, you know, that they're a man, that they're not in active sin and all the, like, the, the, the you know, the main stuff, are there any other disqualifiers you would have for a pastor? Like, you like you, they have to have trainings like that, or would you be pretty loose? Well, well, that's the thing. It's like, who's to say? Like, I may not go to that church. I mean, but I mean, if someone wants to be a pastor, like, but you don't think the church is uh, wrong for having them. Like you may personally, I prefer, but you don't think like they're actively just doing something wrong or something. You just said be more of a preference. Oh no, I'm looking at the other way. So like if, if, if there's a denomination, like, you know, like whatever, whatever Chris goes to, like whatever church Chris goes to, um, I think it's non-denominational, but you know, they'll have their code, they'll have their affiliations, they'll have their, the people they'll accept for uh, being ordained ministers. So if Chris is like, well, I want to be a pastor. I'm called to be a pastor. He fits the bill. He fits the qualifications, stuff like that. Um, then if the church says, well, you know, we can't, we can't have you unless you're ordained in our, in our group, then, you know, maybe Chris would be like, okay, I'll go to your seminary. I'll go to your Bible college. I'll do what I need to get to be able to pastor in one of the churches you're affiliated with. I mean, that's totally fine. People do that all the time. I'm not saying denominations are bad. I'm just saying uh, if something like that happens and Chris is like, well, you know, for example, like, uh, you know, I don't have money to go to your seminary or, you know, I, I don't have time with my, with my family. There's jobs I'm... everywhere, you know, there's, there's jobs. If you need money, you, money you can get. Okay, thanks for playing. Come again. Repent and believe the gospel lest you die in your sin. Anyway, so if Chris, <laughs> uh, you know, has a legitimate reason why he can't uh, fulfill that and become ordained, and they're like, well, sorry, if you're not ordained in our group, then you can't preach here. 
Well, that shouldn't hinder Chris. Like if Chris feels like God is calling him to preach, then he may not be called to preach in that church because, you know, they won't let him because he doesn't meet their qualifications. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means Chris, uh, Chris is unable to fulfill their requirements for their church. But if Chris feels called to preach, Chris can have a house church. Chris can, you know, go to a park. Uh, Chris can do street preaching. So, I mean, th that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm not looking at it like denominations are bad. I'm looking at it. If you're called to preach, you go preach. Um, <laughs> you know, assuming you fit the bill, you fit the biblical requirements and everything like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, like nothing should stop it. Just because man says you can't preach, um, unless, you know, like the Bible disqualifies you and man is pointing that out. But I mean, if, if man says you can't preach for some uh, not a biblical reason, then no, don't let that stop you. If God says you can preach, don't let man say you can't preach. Well, that, do you think there are pragmatic – well, but is preach and, and pastor the same thing though? Like are there pragmatic reasons? Like I don't know if I brought this up before, but like if – there was a New York Times story probably about a decade ago now about a guy who had had all the training, stuff like that, was in – Fine standing, but he couldn't get he couldn't get hired at like a lot of churches he interviewed too because he was single. He wasn't married, but everything else was fine in terms of qualifications. And so like churches prefer, and I, and I understand that because like okay, you want to if you're talking to married congregation, you know, you want to be able to have a pastor who can relate to that. But at the same time, it's like is that kind of a fair way to discriminate against it, or should that not matter, or where that that's just where it gets a little bit more complicated. It's like I don't. Well, I think I well, well, that would be a biblical thing, right? Husband of one wife. So if you're if you're you know being true to the Bible without like trying to have any wiggle room, you're just reading it as it says, then that would be a biblical reason for the guy to be denied preaching in a church that holds that because it's like, well, are you the husband of one wife? Well, I'm not the husband of two wives. If that's what you're getting at, are you the husband of one wife? Well, well no, I, I don't even have one wife. I'm not married. Well, Oh, interesting. So you read that as referring to like, Okay, I always thought that that was. I guess when I had always read that verse, it was like you can't have multiple wives because he, you know when he's he's talking to like these Greek pagans who were polygamous, and that's like. And I, I mean, he probably does mean that as well, but I don't. I never took that as saying like marriage was a requirement. I just thought it was saying monogamy if you were married. But I could I see how until you someone read it. until someone pointed out because you can make the same argument then for you know for women or people whose children are disrespectful or so it's talking about a family person. So if you just read it as it's written. I mean, it needs to be a family person and not just a person that has offspring, but they need they need to be like in good standing in the community. Um, you know, I think it says like slow to anger or something like that, which Chris may be disqualified. <laughs> no, I think it was um, can't be um, has to, have to be like reputable. And, you know, I mean, so it gives a lot of qualifiers. So if you're really reading it the way it's written. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. sorry, single dudes. But, what, but wouldn't that disqualify like Paul and others? I know Paul wasn't, quote unquote, a pastor, but I mean, certainly he had that kind of authority to talk over a church well yeah so if a single guy wants well i mean he's not going to be an apostle now but i mean if a single guy wants sure. to be like paul on his missionary on his missionary journeys sure go be a missionary like so um yeah there's a difference in, in preaching and pastor which was also one of the other things right so like yesterday the, the person um that was that brought this up uh, they said preach um so i don't know if they automatically meant pastor it wasn't a uh, i was just kind of like cruising by in the conversation but yeah that would be a thing like i mean preach versus pastor do you want to be the shepherd of a flock do you want to do more than just you know talk about god's word and you know tell people you know the exegesis of scripture um you know do you want to be there for the whole walk of their life um in that case it would be pastor and you know i mean that that would be the biblical biblical fulfillment of pastor to be a shepherd um if you just want to preach um yeah i mean i think there's a distinction in preach and pastor i mean technically i mean i don't want to step over words but that's where, like, it's not like women are forbidden from sharing the gospel. If you share the gospel, are we going to call that preaching? 
well, we wouldn't call that pastoring, but I mean, you're kind of preaching. And if that's, if that word rubs you wrong, we're like, fine, they're sharing the gospel. So, I mean, we're all called to do that. Young, old, male, female, it does not matter. Everyone is called to share the gospel. Yeah, no, that's, uh, I think that's fair. I, I think that it'd be easier to be a missionary if you were single, actually, because having to move your family across places would probably be more difficult. So maybe that's, maybe that, that field is more preserved for people who are single and pastorship should be pre- preferred for people who are in families, you know, maybe, maybe that's how it's supposed to be. Well, I think the idea is, I mean, that's, that's like really the culmination, right? Like to have a, a nice, uh, you know, civil, well-adjusted family, husband, wife, some kids, and, you know, they're not insane little hellions. So, I mean, that's like the culmination. Like you can really, you're suited to be a pastor, like that encompasses more the, the bigger walk of life. So you can speak to everyone. You can speak to single people. You can like, you know, because you've been there. So you, you can speak to single people, you can speak to widows, you can speak to orphans, you can speak to other people with dysfunctional families, like by you being able to like fulfill, and that's like the fulfillment of family, right? Like God, family, a fullness, wife, children, stuff like that. Um, so once you've like completed that, that circle, now you can help everyone instead of being like a single guy. And it's like, oh, sure, you, you're having trouble in your marriage. Let me give you some counsel. I have no idea right. what I'm doing, but, uh, yeah. you know, well, I think you could have associate. This. I could imagine, though, like if you did have a single pastor, like you could have associate pastors take care of ones when it's marriage counseling or like if it's, you know, talking about specifically with marriage. Like, I guess that would be but it would probably just depend. Right. Like if you're doing a, a sermon on race relations or something and it's a white pastor i don't think it'd be a bad idea to get like as a guest speaker for that week or at least as like a panel to get a minority pastor in there as well you know i think it just depends on who you're talking to who your audience is and getting uh kind of trying to culminate to that anybody else down there have any thoughts this is a good discussion let's see you have anything to say about this keegan Or anyone else? So how's your weekend, Caleb? I'm driving out of uh, near well. Uh, sure, we heard that. Weekend's fine. Uh, I was at the beach over the weekend. It's a short trip, so it was good. I got a little bit sunburned, but a little bit tanner. <laughs> so that's uh, that's a good trade-off, I think. Not too painful. I was, I was at the beach for a while yesterday. Well, I just uh, got in the room like only like two minutes ago, so I only heard like the last little spiel that you were saying, Nate. But and maybe you already answered this question, I guess, you and Caleb. But uh, so, can can women hold the title of pastor, but not be like you know the the leader of a church? Uh, well, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a, a woman pastor thing. It was like uh, if God calls you know someone biblical qualified, you know for for it laid out. And the denominations like denying them, does that mean they're out of luck and can't be a pastor? And I say, no, forget that. If God calls you, go preach. It may not be in that church. Anyways, that's what the discussion was, but uh, no. So, I mean, biblically speaking, women, sorry, can't hold the title pastor. Um, There was a little dispute about that last week because I'm I'm thinking, well, you know, a lot of them might still go to like, you know, get ordained. Um, And there's like a kind of dispute between Chris and I, because he's like, well, if they go and get the qualifications and get ordained, that automatically makes them a pastor. I'm like, well, no, it doesn't. Like, I mean, that was my, my contention is does getting ordained in like a seminary or college or something automatically qualify you for pastor because you're not a pastor until you actually are a pastor. So if you go through the process, get the education and technically get credentialed and get ordained, um, well, 
you could just have that title and never be a never be an actual pastor. So I'm thinking, well, that should be fine. Um, and he disagreed. So maybe, I mean, there's maybe there's more to it, but I, I don't know. I would say, like, I would say just because you qualified in the eyes of man to be a pastor because you have the education and, and the knowledge or whatever, um, you're still not a pastor unless you're actually a pastor. <laughs> so if you, like, you know, get your little diploma that says, like, great, I'm ordained. I passed all the classes. I've got everything I need to get. And you just sit there and never try to pastor a church, never try to be a pastor in church. Well, you're not a pastor. Anyway, but that, I mean that's such a small dispute; it doesn't even doesn't even matter in my eyes. I'd say, any, anyways. Do you think um, there's any, um, like, if say someone does pass all, like they don't have any questions in terms of the credentials that the Bible lays out, but that they might have baggage that they've since repented of? But do you think that would be a hindrance to, like, if you had to choose between a pastor with a clean record and all that stuff versus someone who maybe had a criminal history previous before they were a Christian and they repented and went to seminary and all that stuff, and they have truly repented of that, would that still be kind of a concern, even if they're like not active in that just for the sake of it? Because I understand with that principle, you'd have to disqualify people like Paul and stuff, right? So it seems like that would be premature. But I can think of situations where that could be an issue. Like if you had a pastor who was formerly, you know, someone who was like convicted of like, you know, I don't know, like molesting children or something and had repented of that and come to Christ after that. Like, I don't know if I would want them to be pastor of a church, or at least they'd have to have a lot of guardrails uh, with that, even if they had repented and even if that was a former life, like there was a, there was an actual example where I was talking to a friend of a, uh, fairly well, of a, um, pastor who was previously before he was a Christian was a pretty well-known like uh, adult film star. And, you know, he's, of course he repented all that and he's a great pastor now, but like all that stuff is still widely available online because it just doesn't just go away when you quit the industry. So it's like, is that, is that going to be a potential temptation for people in that congregation, but just to have that publicly out there even if you've since disowned it and left that like i don't know i feel like there's a lot of situations where that could be kind of a gray area well, well yeah so, well, well yeah you said a lot and it was good like i was going one direction or i was thinking one direction so you know let's let's start with something that's a little less uh morally sure. repulsive yeah. than like you know child molester but yeah. let's let's just say someone was like you know a i don't know a former drug dealer um, which there are lots of pastors who are former drug dealers like that's their entire ministry um, so, I mean, there you go. There's actual plenty of examples. Uh, Google that. But, I mean, you know, let's start with someone that's a drug dealer, which isn't great, but, I mean, you know, it's not molesting kids. Right, so, right. you know, drug dealer or someone that's, like, even been convicted of murder or manslaughter or homicide, like, maybe it wasn't premeditated, but, you know, maybe maybe there was a bar fight and someone, you know, died because of it and they did some time in jail. So, maybe something that's, like, not good, it gets them a criminal record, but it's not, like, automatically they are, they were a horrible, terrible person Maybe it was just like a bad judgment for that that moment. And anyway, so like first of all, that like kind of is a thumbs in the face of people that are like, oh, Christians want to get out of jail free card. Ah, you don't want to be responsible for your sins. Like that's a great example of yeah, you're forgiven. God forgives you eternally. But if you do the crime, you still got to do the time. Like you're still not getting out of jail free. You're right. still going to be accountable for your sins. So something like that, like the adult film star, like you know they're. Uh, God forgives them, of course. I mean, you know, they repent, they're sincere, God forgives them, but they're still going to be accountable for their own actions. Like, they did that. There's going to be repercussions, and that repercussion is every time some church person gets slighted, um, they'll probably do their own sin, track down that guy's stuff, and, you know, like, throw it online and, like, start controversy. Sure. Um, so, I mean, you know, these things can haunt this guy for the rest of his life, but maybe that's his cross to bear. I mean, that's, yeah, that's maybe they embrace the that. Right. That, yeah, that's him paying the penalty for his sins. So, I mean, you know, if you want to soldier through that and power along great um 
and then the other thing, like if there was someone that was like a morally heinous thing, like a child molester, I probably would not go to that church. I almost definitely would not go to that church. Um, and probably not a lot of people would. Um, I mean, that, that would probably be something that even though they're forgiven in the eyes of God, um, that's not going to be a very big church congregation. Um, cause you know, going back to what if this qualified Paul, cause he's like, you know, I'm basically a murderer. Um, so I don't know, I don't know where or how exactly people subjectively divide that line from, from, you know, both are morally bad, both are illegal, but one is more like forgive and forget. And the other is like, well, God forgives you. And I guess I have to, you know, forgive you too. I don't want to judge you if God's forgiving you, but I don't want to be within 500 feet of you. And oh, I don't but want what you if to they were a guardrail? But what if he, what if, and, I, and you know, I think if they were sincere, they'd be okay. Well, well the, the what if, yeah, the what ifs for me, I wouldn't do it. I mean, I mean, you know, okay. what if, if there are guardrails, if there are people, if there was arms, like they can't, they can't go anywhere unsupervised. Yeah. Like they always have to have people like, even then you would still be against it personally. Yeah. Personally, I wouldn't do it. I don't care if they have like a, if they're handcuffed to a security guy like <laughs> guarding them and watching them, like that's just too far out of my, my zone. Unless like, you know, God parts the heavens. It's like, go to this church. I'm like, yeah. all right, well, I guess there's a good reason. But would no, you just, let them attend a church is not, not as a, uh, someone on staff, but just as a congregation member with the same. Okay. I mean, yeah, I don't care. I don't care if it's like the devil himself, like they're welcome at church. I'm not going to let them lead a Sunday school class. And I may have like, you know, all kinds sure. of like, you know, former, former law enforcement be like, Hey, you know, don't want to be judgy, but um, you know, why don't you guys all go, you know, sit around that guy. And if he gets up and goes to the bathroom, you know, maybe, maybe that's yeah, yeah, make sure he's sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to deny someone going into church. I mean, if they're like unrepentant or something like that's where Paul like says, you know, turn them over to Satan for the destruction of their souls that, you know, in the end, maybe they can be saved. Um, so if they're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm this type of person and I'm still this type of person and I don't care. I'd be like, okay, well, um, you know, don't got to go home, but can't stay here. Um, you know, if there's like an unrepentant sin, well, no, I think that's biblical. Be like, all right, well, there's there's not a place for you here then, I guess, if you're like actively promoting your sin and all this other stuff and trying to get others to do the same thing, then be gone with you. Um, you know, if you have a change of heart, if you repent, if you want to, if you want to, you know, find salvation here, then show up. Well, that's fun. <laughs> hey, serendipity. Oh, hey, Pastor Sam. What's up, everybody? We're having a fun conversation up here. Uh, I just saw someone raise their hand. I, I missed that. Uh, click the thing again that cleared. Oh, give me just a moment. I'm getting shot on Fortnite. Hang on. I don't die, I don't die, I don't die. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> Pastor Sam, busy today? Are you speaking? Um, are, are you guys not getting in? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, invite you. Caleb, can I make you a mod real fast? Can you uh, help yeah, me invite fine. some of these people? Uh, send Pastor Sam and Serendipity an invite if you would. For some reason, it's not allowing me to invite people in my own room. Shout out, Clubhouse. You're amazing. Said Pastor Sam and Serendipity. Yeah. Pastor Sam. Okay. Hey, CEO. Good morning and welcome. Should be invited now. Let's see if they can. Morning. I'm here because of Felix, Boo, and Steph. You're not here because of me. That hurts a little bit, but okay. You're still welcome. Love you. <laughs> hey, hey, I still have uh, I still have a few questions. Yeah. So so that like I understand the word pastor 
like the definition is like, you know, some form of like in charge of a of a congregation in a Christian church. But there's so many pastoral roles in a church. So my question is like, you know, there's so many churches I've been to that's like, oh, uh, this is Pastor Amy and she's the uh, leader in charge of women's ministry here, and she's, you know, like, like, does is she is she not a pastor? Yeah. So you know, never let it be said I can't be persuaded to change my mind. But um, because I was kind of of that assumption until Chris made a, no one tell him this made a a, a rare good point. Um, and, and in my thinking, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, what about women's pastor? Like that makes sense. Like. They're not pastoring men. They're not holding authority over men like the Bible says. They're just a woman's pastor. And he's like, well, you know, what about that name? I'm like, huh. My brain was like prevented from thinking that real. Like, I mean, it's still pastor. So, I mean, you know, the Bible says, I mean, you know, the Bible never differentiates between what kind of pastor. It just says pastor. And that was kind of the ordination thing, right? I'm like, well, if you're ordained, that doesn't automatically make you a pastor. But I split the difference. I'm like, okay, well, that's a good point. Because if you're any kind of, quote, pastor, well, you need to be biblically qualified to be pastor. So, yeah, I mean, it, it almost sounds like quibbling over words but I mean, or over titles. But, I mean, if you really want to be following the Bible, I mean, those are the qualification, qualifications it gives for pastors. So if you want to be a women's pastor, then I guess you just have to be, I'm a woman's teacher, totally not pastor. I mean, it's, it's essentially doing the exact same thing. Uh, but it's not the pastor because, again, you, it's not shepherding a whole flock. It's shepherding like kind of a flock or like half a flock. Um, it's not counseling a whole church. It's counseling just women. So, I mean, even though like woman's pastor or worship pastor or praise pastor like or youth pastor just kind of flows off the tongue very easily, it's still pastor. So like any anyone that, that has that title should be biblically qualified, um, you know, and check all those boxes. Anyone that's not, that still wants to serve the function. I mean, you know, it's like we have Sunday school teachers. We don't have Sunday school pastors. So, I mean, it, it would kind of be like, I don't know, woman's teacher or something like that. Or anyway, that was a good point that I conceded to. Cause I'm like, well, yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily who they're, who they're speaking into or who they're, you know, shepherding. It's what that title is. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that makes sense. I never really thought that way. I never really, thought of anything like oh they're not leading the church if they don't they're not holding authority over you know the church then i don't i didn't see a problem with i guess the word but i guess you know you have to go strictly on definitions of that i know right it's so it's so crazy like i i didn't even think of that either until i mean i guess it's one of those things that's like now it's like oh ha, i always should have been thinking that but i i didn't so you know until chris pointed that i'm like you know what that's a that's a good point again no one tell him that but yeah, uh, serendipity. What do you think? I agree. Nice to see you. It's been a while. I know. It's good to see you too, Nate. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think back, like if I remember any of, for example, like the preachers' wives who led um, women's Bible studies. I don't really recall them being referred to as pastors in my church experience. Well, like, I forget. and maybe, and maybe it's just because I'm young, but like almost every church, almost every church I've ever attended, they have, of course, women on their leadership team, uh, and they all have, they all, I guess, are considered a pastor, 
And so I've just, I've always thought of as, you know, almost normal, but again, oh, they're not, you know, leaders of, you know, they're not the leader of the church, so there's no problem. But again, I guess I need to go back and read, uh, read more about the actual qualifications. And like, 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 I, I, again, I need to read more uh, from the Bible, but so is the word pastor, like, like, like it, it, it's like, here's the qualifications of leader in the church and the word pastors in that, or like they got pastor from that. It's like pastor, bishop, elder, overseer. Like it, it's all, it's all the same thing. Um, but I mean, I'm in the same boat. Like, you know, I, I grew up, um, I mean, I still go up to a place where, you know, they have, they have women pastors like on staff and you know, the difference is, well, you know, um, I mean, I mean, I'm, it is kind of like, I don't know, in my own personal stuff, like, you know, they were kind of there, like every now and then you'd be like, oh yeah, they do have women, women pastors on staff. Um, but it's like out of sight, out of mind, because you never heard from them. Well, like recently our, our pastor, like every month, every, like every June, like every pastor in the country, like takes off, like they just, they're gone. It's just like, that's when pastors take their vacations, I guess. Anyway, so our pastor was gone for like an entire month. And so they had like a rotation of all the pastors on staff, like some of, I, I wasn't even sure of, um, but you know, so some of them were guys. And then the next, uh, the next day or the next wife, uh, wow. The next week was his wife. So he was like a youth pastor. And then I guess his wife is a pastor of something. I've, I still don't know what of, but she's a pastor. And you know, she was like giving the message. I'm like, eh, hmm, that, that hit me a certain kind of way. So, I mean, I, it, you know, it's not like I'm doing everything in the best possible scenario either. Like I'm, I'm used to women like being on, um, on staff. And I was always out of that understanding. I'm like, well, you know, they're not the head pastor. They're not leading stuff like that. Um, so it must be fine. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we're, we're in the same boat. Um, the only difference now is I don't know if it's a big enough problem to, uh, to like leave the church over. And you know, that's something that I guess we'll see. Um, because you know, so many of them around here, have women pastors, like I'd really have to go to like probably a very small out of the way church to find one that just had like one pastor and that pastor was a dude. Um, so, you know, maybe that's my own issue. Like, am I going to like trade, you know, the, the church I, 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 I like really well. And it's like the best one I found in the area um, years ago when I did my church search um, because they have a woman pastor on staff. Is that a deal breaker? I don't know. Uh, for Chris, apparently it is a deal breaker for me. I'm not sure yet. I guess we'll find out. But there's no, there's no actual biblical problem though of like women teaching a me- like you know, preaching a message on like a Sunday, right? Like yeah, I've never, I've never found any like actual. There, there's not. I don't know. Yeah. I've never well, I mean that. that well, I mean, I mean. Well, yeah, I mean that. I mean that would kind of be exactly the the problem <laughs> would be like you know if they're, I mean that's where we could talk about like the holding authority over a man. Is that what's being done when they preach on the stage? Are they, um, you know, are they leading or shepherding a flock, even if it's a guest, uh, you know, a guest appearance? And, you know, I'll say like, that's about the only time where I, I really start having problems with it because, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, you're a kid's pastor and you're, well, no, um, I, I don't know. Let's just say women's pastor. Let's stick with that. Uh, or a staff pastor. Like, you know, there's lots of churches that have staff pastors and they're basically a secretary with a, who's been ordained. So, I mean, you know, they, they don't hold authority over anyone. They just have that title. But apparently that's the problem, too, is just holding that title. Um, but, I mean, the only time it really kind of really bothers me is when they do give a message, um, whether they have a title of pastor or not. 
because it's it's not out of sight, out of mind. It's front and center. And it's like, oh, I forgot that, you know, we even had, you know, a staff pastor that was a secretary. But now it's right in front of our faces because they're giving a message. Um, so it's very it's very apparent. So I think that's kind of like a little bit more of a problem. I don't think a guest pre- I don't think a guest preacher has authority over the congregation. That seems like a stretch. Well, then you guys talk about that with Chris, because I don't really. Um, yeah, we get in all these like conversations about like you know church authority and stuff like that, as if I'm like running a church. I'm like, look, man, I'm just a I'm just a dude that goes to a church. Um, well, so I mean, I, I know we want to be biblical. Well, we I know we want to be biblically accurate, and that's my dog in this fight, right? Is to be biblically accurate. Um, however, for practical application, I'm probably not the greatest guy to talk to. I'll just tell you my own personal experiences. Like, hey. Here's the church I go to. Here's what's going on. Here's what our pastoral makeup looks like. But as far as like, you know, me making decisions, who's on staff and who's a pastor and who's not like, no, I, I don't, I don't do that. That's not my job. I don't make these decisions. Um, well, so being biblically accurate is the best, best we can do. Well, let's just take it at a, a common sense level. So if, if Ted Cruz comes into a church and gives a guest lecture on Sunday, are we saying Ted Cruz has <laughs> has authority over the congregation? But what do we mean by has authority sense. over the congregation? Like, if they're only there for one day, I don't know what authority they're really going to be able Correct. to use. Well, like, well, well, like, hang on. Well, like, spiritually speaking into someone's life, I would think is whole, like, maybe you could, and people disagree. So, you know, if you disagree, let us disagree and do what you want. But I would think, you know, the dividing line is where it says hold authority over man. So if you're not if you're not constantly like in that position of holding authority over someone, where does that line happen? So if you're speaking to a long term thing, like if you're just flying by for one hour and but you speak like some deep spiritual thing or truth or like holding over man, like, you know, husbands, blah, blah, blah. And you hit them with some like big spiritual bomb that's going to stick with them for the next year of their life. Um, I mean, I would say that that's like holding authority over a man, even if you hear them speak for 10 minutes in the in the role of like pastor or something like that. I mean, if you have someone like come up and give announcements, no, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly at peace. I mean, if Steph wants to jump up on stage and give announcements, and be like, OK, don't forget the bake sale. OK, uh, you know, um, don't forget. Don't forget this. And here's uh, we have this uh, car wash for the church donations coming up and. I mean, if they want to give examples, no one's going to say that's holding I – mean, maybe Chris will. We'll find out. But I certainly would not think most people would say that's holding authority over a man. They're not speaking from the Bible. They're not speaking in the capacity of a teacher, speaker, preacher, any of that. They're just running down a list of announcements. So, I mean, something like that. Does that make more sense? Would you agree more, CEO? Does that compel you if they, like, are a guest speaker, but they're doing it from the pulpit, and they're, like, dropping some spiritual bombs about some very weighty issues that's going to stick with that congregation – long beyond their their time on that pulpit i think it's up to the pastor to then come in after they've spoke and you know correct anything that they don't stand for so uh, i think a guest speaker is just a guest well but it wouldn't be correcting like even if it's god the pure god's driven truth um, it's the fact that they're doing that 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 would be unbiblical so it, it, it's, I mean, it's a technicality. Like they don't have to speak wrong doctrine. Like there are plenty of women who hold the title pastor who would would speak way better than men, would be way more biblically accurate than men. Well, I think, I think yet, Chris is in the room. Let's bring. Yeah, yeah, I am. So there, I mean, there's plenty of women that hold the title pastor that would speak way more correctly about the Bible and biblically accurate than a man. So it's not that they speak in error and need correcting because they're such dumb people because they're women. Um, I'm on your side, ladies. But it's the fact that they are speaking in that authority 
that's the problem. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's what we're getting at. I want to use my Ted Cruz example with Chris first. So, so Chris, if, if Ted Cruz comes to a church and does a Sunday sermon, does he have authority over that congregation? While he's teaching them, yes. Hey, AP, what's up, AP? <laughs> before you leave, I, I noticed you're here. I saw you were on the phone earlier. Did you want to speak? We met AP before oh, no, he's no. a friend. Cool. Yeah, yeah, no problem, Nate. No, thank you for thank you for greeting me. But no, all, all's good. I'm just listening. Oh come on, AP. You don't have any thoughts about anything that's been said, really? Well, I <laughs> I, I think it's a stretch to call it unbiblical because I think I mean it sounds like he's getting it from Paul, and I, I suppose he's reading a letter of Paul as prescriptive behavior towards churches in the future. So I don't agree with that, but I'm you know I'm just willing to listen to people's take on it. Sure. <laughs> so that's, that's where I stand. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think it's. I. I think unbiblical just means you, you don't care for it because I think it, Paul is probably where you're getting it. That's where most people get that kind of that kind of uh, uh, view. But anyway, yeah. But thank you, Nate. You missed yeah, I mean, when I say unbiblical, I don't. Well, well, yeah, I mean, when I say unbiblical, like I'm not meaning like you know unbiblical. Let's like burn them at the stake. I mean unbiblical. Like this is what the Bible says, and if you say something different, that is just unbiblical. Like it's just incorrect. Like well, it's, it's, just, it's, it's reading the Bible in a certain way. It's reading Paul as a prescriptive command. Well, well, no, I'm not, it's a mistake. Well, well, no, I'm not, I'm not even talking about that. I'm not talking about interpretations. I'm saying like you know, if there's something we all agree on, right? Like the Bible says, the Bible says the, and you say a. Well, well, that's technically it's unbiblical because it's just it's incorrect. I, I'm not talking about interpretations or how you read it. I'm just saying like you know something we we would easily agree on, right? Like if um. If someone says G on the third day Jesus came back to life, and someone's like, "No, he was only dead for three hours," that's what that means. Well, that's unbiblical. I'm not going to like burn you to the stake. I'm not like hating you, but I mean, it's just biblically incorrect. The Bible says three days, you say three hours, so you're just wrong. And another way to say wrong is unbiblical. That, that's all I meant. Uh, Chris, what were you saying? So I was just uh, trolling AP a little bit. I was saying that. Uh... I just got done for the last uh, good hour and a half schooling uh, Roman Catholics on church history. Uh, oh, that's wonderful, Chris. Sounds like you had a good time. <laughs> how many How many of them converted to your ways? <laughs> that's the oh, question. I, yeah, exactly none, but, you know, it, uh, it was AP it was kind is of a very re reluctant Catholic, though. I think that even most Catholics would not want to take him on, so I, I don't know if he would be too offended by that. Why? Because he's like a bad Catholic or like the, he's, yeah, he's not a, he, he is not a good Catholic in the, not that he's not a good person in the sense that he's very hesitant and he's not overly dogmatic or, oh. you know, there are things that he disagrees with, with the church that he technically shouldn't by dogma, but he has his own convictions, which I think is a good thing, but you know, so he's more malleable than some hardline Catholics. I like to, I like to, uh, I like to troll AP. Um, but, uh, trolling CEO a little bit, um, I, and and this is this is this is my position, and this is the way I deal with churches. The moment that your church has a woman teach a mixed congregation of people is the moment in Pleasure. which Jesus in the, is the moment in which Jesus removes the lampstand from your church, and you have been turned over to Satan as a church. Yes, yeah, EO, what I said is pretty good looking now, huh? The only issue with that is you would then expect the fruits of Satan to show up. So if a church then continues to have blessed outcome, then that would seem to undercut the outcome. United Methodist Church. Uh, 
So are you saying if a church allows women pastors, it's only a matter of time until Drag Queen Story Hour takes over? What would you say, Nate, though? And like, and this isn't like an argument for that, but like, given that Christianity is generally kind of like dying out in the West, right? Dying out maybe is a little dramatic. It's it's definitely receding. Um, and like churches and pastors are becoming a bit more hard to get, especially in certain regions where they're they're not as common. Like, do you take what church you can get, or if you're going to have like strict, like I need to follow churches that teach biblically and stuff like that, or are you going to have a, a severe shortage of biblical quote unquote pastors in churches? And I know that's not like a an excuse for that, but it does seem like a situation in the current times where it's harder. It, the more the more barriers you put on a, like a good church and what you're counting as the more you're going to limit your options to what's available. And if you live in a area that may not be super populated, that might be a very, very narrow amount of churches that are convenient to attend. Well, I mean, you should never compromise salvation issues. And then because everyone's going to find something that they can find unbiblical in the sense that they don't think everything is 100 correct, according to, you know, their interpretation. So you're going to have like secondary issues or, or maybe if it's like church, you mostly agree with, um, but there's like one or two little issues. So, Everyone's going to find what they think would be the ideal church uh, that's completely biblical sound. Like, I mean, Chris goes to a church now that's non-nominational, and I'm sure he's got, um, I think he's talked about it before, like he doesn't think it's 100% perfect, but the imperfections are not deal breakers. Like, they're not so severe that he's like, no, this is heretical. I can't be here. The Lord has removed his lampstand. Like, they're not that severe. Otherwise, he wouldn't go there. So that's where I think the line is. So, you know, no one's going to find a perfect church. Um and, you know, it's like the thing, if you find a perfect church, it's not anymore because you go there. Um, but, yeah, that's what I think. So, you know, grin and bear it. If it's, if it's Christian, if it's, um, you know, if it's not a salvation issue, if it's not a major issue, then, you know, suck it up and go there. No one's perfect. But if there's things that are, are so severe where it's like deal breakers, like if I go and, you know, they like start parading in like rainbow flags, like, ooh, that's super unbiblical. Like, not just incorrect, but like, whoa, bad. Um, so, me, I would not go there. Um, so if you, honest to goodness, I mean, that's like a guy we were talking to in Sweden last week. Um, and he was saying he was having trouble because there, all these churches he had to pick from were just so unbiblical that he didn't feel right about going to any of them um, because of where he was and what, you know, the, the government like made them affirm and stuff like that, which was very unbiblical, like bad unbiblical, uh, deal breaker unbiblical. So, uh, I mean, in America, the chances of you not being able to find a, a Bible believing, Bible adhering church are, are like very, very slim. You're going to be able to find one, but on the rare case, you can't, uh, you know, call Chris. He'll help you out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. Although that's probably getting, I would say 20, 30 years from now, that's going to be a bigger and bigger issue. I mean, it's already a bigger issue now than it was 20 years ago from now. So I think it's just going to become a more prevalent but look issue. At, look at like house churches. Like this is what they do in China. I mean, like in China, yeah. you know, they're, they're a persecuted church. Like they go to prison, they get thrown into concentration camps to be, you know, if they're evangelical Christians, like, you know, there's, there's all sorts of persecution that goes on. It's not like there's a church building that these folks can go to and have church. It's the same thing that they did in the first century is they had house churches. And so you've got, you know, one person out of 12 that's going to that house church that is, you know, voted in as the elder because, um, you know, the Bible says to select elders from amongst you. Um, and then that person has the, you know, the responsibility for teaching the scripture to those other people. I mean, that's just the way that Christianity has survived and thrived for 2,000 years. It's not in giant cathedrals um, manned by professional holy people. It is by 
tiny congregations of house churches. Uh, Charles, you want you raise your hand? What's up, Charles? Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for bringing me up. Um, so I thought about something yesterday, guys. Hopefully this is still along, you know, what you guys are talking about. So yesterday, man, I overslept. Um, I'm a soon-to-be ordained minister in a predominantly black church. Um, but as weird as it may seem, I still sometimes, like, you know, like this, uh, the month of July, we're in what you call, uh, you know, the pastor takes his month off. And, you know, most of the guys who are on ministry teams, July is kind of like, you know, like the vacation month. And so for me, I still like worshiping with other ethnicities, uh, other ethnicities. And so yesterday I stopped to a church, um, which is a probably 95 percent white church or Caucasian church. And I just noticed that it's just different. Like, you know, with some churches, you know, like with the emotionalism, you know, like with the pastor preaching, you know, with the music and leaving the church. It was a Bible based church. You know, like if I wasn't a member of my church, I probably would go there. But it's just hard growing up and in the society that we live in. But I don't know, like I was just thinking leaving church, like, man, I wonder how's heaven gonna be like. Like I wonder how God's gonna do this because most ethnicities go to their own style of church every Sunday. And yet one day we're just going to be in heaven and we're going to all get along. Like, it's just, I don't know, man, it's just, it's just so culturally different that even me, man, loving everybody, I don't know if I could go to a predominantly white church where I'm in the minority. And I'm sure others feel the same way, you know, if they were coming to a predominantly black church, unless it's, you know, like a T.D. Jakes or Joe to somebody like that. But I don't know, guys. That was weird. I just thought about that yesterday. I'm like, man, it's just different. But I would love to be at the church where all cultures could be there and one wasn't so much of the minority in the group. I don't know. I just thought about that yesterday, guys. Hope that well, wasn't off the wall. No, and I'd like to hear what Pastor Sam has to say if he's speaking in a minute and Sean too. But um, I, I think <laughs> it's funny. I wanted to say you went to a wasp church. Anyone familiar with that? A waspy church? No one? Someone told me that. They're like, it was like good, though, Nate. Like, it was Bible-believing. It was good. Everybody was welcoming. So it was strictly oh, right, right. Bible in there. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was just saying someone said they were like uh, they're, they're like an Italian family I know here. And uh, they, they said they're, um, the, the woman is, is very white. And uh, the, the mother-in-law, when they first met, she like, met her husband. He brought her home on a date. And she's like, you're dating those waspy girls now, what? It's like, what? She's like, I never heard that. It means white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant. I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. A bunch of wasps. Anyways, I thought that was funny. But no, I mean, I have a, let's see, to the first point, when we're all in heaven, I have a feeling God's going to get a handle on it. And we're all going to be just fine. Uh, So, you know, I don't know if, like, you know, our glorified bodies are going to make lots of, of sounds if we, like, clap or wave our hands or something like that. But, you know, I'll probably make peace with it. Um, but then what you said about, you know, the being a minority and stuff like that, um, you know, the, the churches I've attended have, the, the, I mean, they, they've always been like sort of mixed, but predominantly, you know, white. Um, but there was, I mean, it's not like it was total. Well, I guess maybe growing up in the middle of like rural Oklahoma. Yeah, it was all white. 
but um, it, you know, since I like moved around all the churches I go to, like there, there's mixed groups. Like I'm in a pretty big uh, melting pot in my area where I am. So there's always some, but yeah, I mean, there's still predominantly usually one, one group over another. Um, so people go where their, where their comfort zone is, I guess. But for me, like if, um, I don't know, it, it's more about like the, gosh, I'm going to sound like a talking post board, but I mean, it really is people, people like me, right. And I don't include color like that. Um, I, I include other stuff that I, I put above that. So for example, it's not to my benefit either. It's probably my detriment. Like I'm, I'm not a very expressive person. So like if we find a church, like the one I go to, that's right, predominantly white. So a lot of them look like me, but still I sometimes feel in the minority um, as far as worship, because, you know, they get a little bit loud. Um, you know, sometimes they raise their hands a little too high. And I think, huh, I'm not doing these things because I'm, I'm naturally a lot more reserved. Um, so I'm like, I don't know, like this feels a little weird. So, you know, if you put me with a different group of people, like if you found a, a predominantly black church, but they were not super expressive. And they were more like me in that regard, like their worship style, like, you know, they didn't clap super loud. They didn't, they didn't, uh, for example, like pray in tongues in my ear right next to me. Um, I'd be like, hey, this is my new church. Um, so anyways, that's, that's kind of my markers. But, you know, so even though I'm out of my comfort zone a little bit sometimes, like it, it's a pretty normal church, but every now and then it's non-denominational. So, you know, you'll get like the individual person that wants to, to pray super loud right behind me. And I'm like, ah, I, I'd much rather be in a, in a, a little bit less expressive place. Um, anyway, so that's that's my take. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter what. Uh, anyways, that's all I got. Pastor Sam, Sean, you guys want to check Good morning. In? Good morning. I had a question. I'm going to go back to the passion thing. So. Well, do you want to, hang on, you guys want to speak to what Charles said real fast? I think I butchered everything oh. I actually wanted to say. But do you guys want to address uh, as far that? As, as far as like, I mean, I can go to church anywhere people love Jesus. I don't care what color you are. It matters or not. That don't matter to me. I can adjust to the culture if that's what's necessary. That's not a problem. I, I don't, you know, I just don't want people to mistreat me wherever I am. I don't care what color you are. Don't mistreat me. Because you mistreat me, we're going to have a problem. So, I mean... <laughs> I don't, I don't really have a, a problem with, you know, uh, I would, uh, I guess, I don't know. I've never had the issue. So I mean, I've been in different places and, uh, I, I think, well, <clears throat> earlier in my, uh, in my conversion, uh, I had a conversation with God about where's the rest of the body of Christ. Cause all I was around was black people. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Where's the body of Christ? And so from that point forward, I started looking for the body of Christ. And you can find us everywhere. Pastor, no pastor, <laughs> wherever. Beauty of uh, salvation. So I don't really have a problem. My, in fact, my, my church is, in, I live in the hood. My church is in the suburbs. Yes, what can I say? <laughs> well, yeah, go ahead and say uh, whatever you wanted about the, the pastor thing. Oh, as far as the women pastor thing, the crazy thing about us in America is that we make up a bunch of stuff based on what we read in the Bible and then we just apply it across the board. But the challenge is, what if the woman is leading, is not being called pastor, is doing all the same things that quote, a pastor would be doing, 
and 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 they're over the, and they're over the men. Are they now somehow disjointed with God? They don't they don't call themselves pastor. Nobody in the nobody in the fellowship calls them pastor. They're but they're the leader. So what now? Is it just the label that's a problem, or the, the or, or the fact that this is a female with competency able to lead people? What's the problem? I'm just gonna turn this woman conversation over to to Chris. I've done this for like three days in a row. <laughs> Chris, uh, what he said. I'm gonna say it's the title because the Bible focuses on the title. Nate, can I add something right quick? Since well, when it comes to leadership, sure. okay. Okay, morning, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So yeah, Nate, cool, when ahead. we go into, yep. so I'm a retired military veteran, right? So I spent more than six months. So I didn't get kicked out of basic. I actually retired from it. And I will say, because I think outside of the church, <laughs> the military might be number one as far as uh, not wanting women to lead. Um, I think from what I have seen in the military, I've had, uh, you know, a couple of female leaders who, whether they were in charge of a whole organization or a part of it, I did see, uh, you know, a woman who was very competent. Um, Naturally, she couldn't do all the push-ups that we did, but she was a great leader. And, you know, even though she was a nurturer, she never allowed her, I guess you could say, womanly emotion to control how she saw things. And then I could see another one who uh, led off her womanly instincts and was always emotional as quote unquote, you know, when her period was on, we knew to stay around her. Uh, So I could see both spectrums and I have seen women in the church who have abused their authority and just really just stepped on the men of the church's back. And then I've had some, um, you know, mostly one in particular whose husband was the bishop and he died and she's running the church now and, you know, everybody's still there. So would I be in one? Probably not. But, um, you know, I don't see anything wrong with that woman, man, as long as she's leading in righteousness and she's not, you know, being led by her emotions as if. Uh, you know, the nagging woman, uh, the dominatrix woman, then I wouldn't see an issue with that. But, well, I, I mean, so the Bible, well, well, I mean, oh, now you're speaking. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> oh, I thought you wanted me to say something as well. Oh, I did, but then he asked that question about, all right, yeah, go ahead, Sean. Well, first of all, good morning. And I am, um, I'm on the road trucking with my new wife. Y'all say hello to Minister Senta Simpson. <laughs> oh, man, I missed the wedding. Go ahead, y'all. Hello. I didn't know there was a wedding here. <laughs> but uh, let me let me deal with both these issues. Number one, for someone who's been in a predominantly black church the majority of my life, I have gone to intercultural services. Where I've go, I've I've heard the Latino, I've heard the Asian, I've heard uh, the quote unquote white <laughs> uh, church uh, style of worship. It, it it was and basically 
you know what it is? There's a, there's a thing called it's the style of worship that sometimes just gets in the way. Because Chris likes that. I'm not Chris. Uh, Nate likes that reserved style. I'm not reserved. <laughs> All right. I love to praise the Lord, clap my hands, and shout to the Lord as the scripture requires us to do. Um, so you're not in a minority, um, there, Brother Charles, Minister Charles. Um, and as far as the woman question is concerned, you know the chancellor of, my, of the Bible college that I teach at is a woman. The found, she's the founder. She so she both stepped down from her chancellor and, and uh, worked all the work she's done down through the years, and, and uh, that wouldn't make sense. Um, also, I have seen some. I've, I've seen some controlling, ex, I mean, just nag. You talk about nagging men and women in leadership. <laughs> so I'm looking at both, and that's why I say I know God is no respected persons. And as a military veteran myself, when I was in AIT, my drill sergeant was a woman, and the company commander was a woman. When I got to my I got to my uh, first duty station in Korea. There were a lot of leaders, uh, NCOs, who were women. And guess what? You you said yes, sergeant, or no sergeant, or I don't know, sergeant, to them too. Uh, as, as far as when I got back to the station, my last duty station. My, my platoon leader was a woman and and a Christian. She made sure that I got to church every Sunday. Me, my late wife, and my oldest child. She made, she made sure that we got to church every Sunday. So people in leadership, God is no respect to person. He just respects the faith. And if a man is not going to step up and a woman is doing is doing it until the man can show up because a man can, a woman can't be a bishop do everything else women just cannot be a bishop because when I read that the bishop is the, the bishop has to have a wife according to the scripture but that's yeah, where I'm going to land right there all right and then yeah and um, please let this be the end of it we've done this three days. Um, but yeah, Chris wanted to say something, but uh, Charles, since you, you haven't been a part of the last three days of this discussion about women pastors, um, yeah, I mean, like, like what Sean said on the last, like, you know, the Bible gives clear qualifications, husband of one wife, and by the way, single guys, we talked about that, can't be a single guy, husband of one wife, can't, that means can't be a husband of no wife, uh, you got to have husband of one wife, if you want to be literal, right, people will, will justify and twist and do whatever they want, they can, they can do whatever they want, but if, if you know, you, you want to ask us, what we believe is truly biblically accurate, this is the answer. Um, you know, it has, to have, it has to be respected in the community, has to have like decent children. So, you know, husband, wife, no kids, sorry. Hu husband, wife, kids, but they're unruly, sorry. So there's all kinds of disqualifiers. So if you want to fit the biblical bill, it lays it out. Husband of one wife, not two wives, not no wives, one wife, um, you know, respected in the community beyond reproach um, and have a family, including children who are in order. And, you know, that that's the bill. Um, and none of this is about competency, right? Because I, I totally agree. Like you can find plenty 
of women who are far more competent than men. And the Bible, fortunately, doesn't need us to interpret it. It gives the reason why this is. And it says it's the whole whole leadership role is not because men are more competent and women are so dumb. Um, there's plenty of dumb men, way worse than women. Uh, so it's not a competency, competency issue at all. It's 100%. Uh, you know, if you read it, it says because uh, Eve was the first one to sin. And that's why Eve was deceived. She sinned first. That's the whole reason. And, and it goes on. Um, so anyway, it's not a competency issue. It's not who can do the job better. It's Eve was the first one to fall, or, or first one to sin, and she was deceived. That's why. Um, so when people talk about like, it's sexist, and it's blah, 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 and it's this. No, it's because the story could have been different if Adam's the one that got the fruit first and was deceived and fell. It could, it could be like, no, only women can be pastors. Men cannot be pastors. But that's not what happened. So anyways, uh, that, that's the reason. But Chris, uh, you were, I think, in the middle of saying something or about to say something. I mean, I couldn't say it better than that. The, the office of bishop or pastor or elder or whatever you want to call it, you know, those are all mean the same thing. Um, you know, I agree with Sean. You know, like women, like my wife just had a conversation with the other lady who has been to seminary at our church. There's two ladies who have seminary degrees at our church. One of them is the wife of one of our pastors because they just went to school at the same time. She has a THM. So her name is uh, uh, Sarita. She's just had a baby. So she's not, you know, she's a bit busy, but she got with my wife and they were talking about team teaching for a women's Bible study. There is nothing that says women cannot teach. It just says women cannot teach or hold authority over men. That's all. So my wife is going to be teaching a theology class with somebody who um, has better qualifications than almost any of our pastors at our church. She has a four-year master's degree, including all the languages. So, like, you know, this idea that, that what we're saying is that women can't teach is not true. It is who women are teaching. And the Bible explicitly te tells women to teach. It says women, older women, teach the younger women. There's an explicit command for women to teach. So this straw man that we keep getting, that we say that women can't teach, it's like, no, women cannot be pastors and women should not be teaching mixed audiences of men and women. That is the contention. And by the way, like, for, you know, if women feel slighted because they're like, oh, well, I, you're holding me down, preventing my glass ceiling from shattering. Like, the, what's the greatest thing? Like, being a pastor, just like shepherding a flock, um, which deals with stuff other than just the gospel? Or, I mean, is it really, if you want to go the ultimate, I mean, that, that would be talking about the ultimate thing, right? So that would be talking about the gospel nonstop. So, you know, everyone's their part in the body of Christ and everyone has their calling. But the point is, if you just wanted to go for the ultimate, we're all equally called to do the ultimate thing, which is share the gospel, the Great Commission, right? So, I mean, if you if someone feels slighted because they can't be a pastor, well, they shouldn't be because that's not like the greatest thing someone could do. The greatest someone could do, the greatest thing someone could do, sure, pastors do that. But, I mean, pastors also do other stuff like pay electric bills and, you know, counsel premarital couples and, you know, visit sick people. But, I mean, the greatest thing is, you know, if you just spew out the gospel 24-7, great. We can all do that. Do that in a Walmart parking lot. Um, anyways. <clears throat> oh, and in response to the chat, no one's saying it was home churches for 2,000 years. That's silly. Um, what's what's that's going on? 
I don't know. Walter Walter keeps thinking that I'm saying that there's home churches for 2,000 years. No, Christianity has has been in home churches for 2,000 years. There's no doubt of that. You can look at the Valencians and all kinds of stuff throughout church history. But you know, the idea that a church must occur in a building that is owned by an organization is just nuts. Like, I mean, we just so just yesterday, or maybe the day before, I'm losing track of time. Um, the Pope uh, Francis was criticized because. The new bishop of China for the Catholic Church is handpicked by the Catholic or by the Communist Party in China, and so it's seen as you know uh, Francis bowing down to the to the Catholic Church, and so people are upset by that, or Francis bowing down to the Communist Party. Rather. I think it's going to be bowing down to a lot more than that. I'm still interested to see the outcome of this uh, inclusiveness uh, conference convening next year. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, Bubby was dealing with a bunch of cope. Uh, Bubby, that was funny, man. You, you, you nailed that premise. It was, it was great. But, but Oh, and Bubby, just so you know, um, I took JC to drumline camp this morning, so he's doing his first drumline camp. Oh, so he wanted, my he Lord. Did, he wanted you to know that. Perfect. If he needs a private teacher, I'm available. Hey, um, um, Chris, what's your interpretation of when Priscilla is teaching a man in Acts 18, 24 to 26? Let's go. You know that's always my answer. Let's go. Or read a book. <laughs> Yeah, that's, those are my two things. So I'm driving right now, so I, I can't go there. So if you can pull it up and yeah, read sure. it to us, that'd be great. Um, a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the ways of the Lord, and being fervent in the spirit, he spake, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord knowingly, only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard him, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. They. Yeah, they. Yeah, so this means Priscilla participated. Right. So, so again, there's a difference between individual people, like my wife having a conversation with one of our pastors, and she happens to know some theology better than that pastor, and tells him, hey, by the way, the historic church believed X, Y, Z, which I, she did just last night. We were talking about the intinction method, and one of our pastors was uh, unaware of some of the, the uh, nuances of intinction, and so she educated him on this. This is not to say that she held authority over him at that moment. It's that she had a conversation with him and was able to elucidate some facts that he did not necessarily know. And and there's nothing wrong with that. That is not a that is a woman not in a teaching position, i.e., getting in front of a group of people and teaching. That is simply having a conversation like this is in the scripture. Well, what about mentoring? Well, again, well, mentor. Oh man, that's a whole different kettle of fish, right? I mean, is it a great idea for you to be mentored by? Uh, a really beautiful woman. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not using bad example. I'm saying here that the way oh, okay. we're describing this relationship is, it seems like both Aquila and Priscilla were mentoring Apollos. This wasn't a one-time conversation. They said they right, took it, it, him again, unto them. 
Right. Again, we don't know the extent of the conversations. We don't know the extent that, you know, Priscilla was participating. Let's say it was 100% of Priscilla telling, you know, Apollos all these things. It doesn't matter because, it's again, it's not a, a formal teaching situation. What the Bible is talking about is within a church situation, there is a prescription for how the church is to be in order and how women are to be in order with in submission to their husbands. And so the reason that you don't see older women teach the younger men is that is a recipe for chaos. Uh, why you don't see older men teach the younger women, that is a recipe for chaos. Well, let, me, let, me, let me highlight what my point of disagreement is. So I agree with you that the Bible says women shouldn't be pastors. So we're on the same page there. My disagreement with you is if someone is guest speaking in a congregation on a Sunday, I don't consider that being the level of authority you are laying it out to be. Thing you do, I, you. Because they're not pastoring over the congregation. They're not, they're not taking care of them. Yeah. They're coming in and teaching. Right. Again, that, that, that goes against the prescription given in First Timothy and in Titus. We're talking about the only people that should be teaching in front of a congregation are elders of that congregation. You never see guest speakers or anything like that. There's not a. So you're saying no church should ever have a guest speaker. Um, I think that it's probably not a great idea for churches to have guest speakers. No. Oh wow. Um, I think. Yeah. And again, well, wait, wait. I'm just I'm just telling you what's biblical. I'm not telling you what you should do in practice. I'm literally telling you No, 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 you but you're saying Bible it's biblical. You're saying it's not biblical to have a guest lecturer. That Well, wait, are, are we to are we to are we to think that Paul whenever he was doing his missionary stuff when he like rolled into town exactly. he never got up he never got up and addressed the uh, exactly. congregation? No, Paul, you're not part and of the congregation. Oh, yes. You can't speak. Right. Uh, Chris, but, what but do you again, yeah, what do you think about that? Like, are we to say, like, no one thinks Paul, like, addressed the congregation when he rolled into town? Or you put that different than, well, quote, no. guest speaker, even though that's kind of what he would be doing? So, right. So, again, in, in synagogues, this goes to Second Temple Judaism, um, rabbis had the ability to go to other synagogues and speak. Um, and Paul and, and other Christians specifically did this. What I'm saying is in the consideration of the New Testament church, in order to keep order and to stop things like the quote-unquote super apostles that you see in First and Second Corinthians 10, um, and to stop all of the other false teaching, it was decided by the apostles that the congregations themselves should raise up elders from amongst their own number. And so, you know, again... The normal iteration of a church is that you do not have like evangelists and all these other people coming as guest speakers. My church has never, ever, ever had anyone preach on a Sunday morning and we have Saturday night services to a service that was not a pastor at our church. They would never do that because you're turning over the authority of your congregation to an outsider. Like they would just, they would, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even occur to the pastors of my church to do that. Like it's just not even remotely a thing. And that's also the same for Presbyterian congregations and, and all kinds of other reformed congregations. Like it would just never even be a thing. Yeah, that's interesting. I never, I never thought of it that way because I mean, 
you know, growing up, it's, and I mean, you know, you're not going to have like a guest person just off the street, but it's usually someone from like, you know, another church or a visiting church or someone in, affiliated with that denomination or like a, a missionary or something. So, I mean, maybe you would agree to that, but say like never during a formal service, like do that on some other thing to get an update from your mission work around the world. But um, anyways, I mean, I, I oh, yeah, hang like on. Wednesday, yeah, if you got right. a Wednesday night service or something like that, sure, whatever, but like not but, on a formal Sunday morning service. Nate. Yeah, I guess I, uh, Bob. I don't know how you got on stage. I certainly didn't allow but, you. But Nate, I, Bob. Oh my goodness, be gone, Satan. No, I'm trying to like make a point and then get to the other people that I did actually invite. Um, I don't know why you're just like jumping down my throat. But um, when are you going to Bob's what, what, church? One other. What, oh, there's not. A, I, I immediately thought of two very unchristian responses, and I just like like filtering through them, and I'm like, I don't have a, a nice one, so I just can't say anything. Um, no time soon. Um, but Bob is going to be the first guest speaker at my church. I'm going to invite but, Bob, and I'm going to convince our elders to. to... But what, let's see. What I, I guess I don't have that same aversion, um, you know, to someone on like a formal Sunday morning just being like, "Okay, here I, I know this church. I grew up here, and you sent me off as a missionary, and here's what's happening." I whatever. But um, the other thing, like one thing we missed when we were doing the mix and match. For the record, if uh, the younger women taught the older women. That would also be problematic. That's also not to say that during a, a formal teaching where the older women was instructing the younger women about deep spiritual truths and, you know, they read a sentence wrong or they do something. And one of the younger women is like, oh, hey, excuse me, Miss Blah, Blah, Blah. You know, you actually got this a little wrong. It's, it's chapter this and you said chapter that. And, um, you know, the, you, uh, you made some minor error to just quickly correct them and like get everything on track like a normal person. I don't think anyone also is going to say there that's heretical because that young woman just totally taught an older woman be reasonable. That's not what's happening. The older person is clearly in the authority position. So if someone like, you know, instructs her in a minor, minor thing, like, Oh, Hey, you mess this up or, Oh, Hey, you mix that word up or mix that sentence up. Great. That's fine. And no one, no one younger is not teaching the older, but if the younger woman's like, all right, now I'm taking over, uh, you know, you're wrong. Sit down. Um, listen to my authority. Um, problem <laughs> uh quentin what's up quentin peace and blessings to you all i just stopped by the room to, uh and get listen to the conversation hey so uh, hey so um can we put uh, can we put bubby in charge of teaching a bible study of only 20 year old girls let's put bubby in charge of that that's a great idea. i have a fiance i'm not doing that <clears throat> <laughs> Well, hello, everyone. Good morning. Uh, hey. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Allow me on your stage. I have a question. Hopefully you guys can help me out. Okay, so John chapter 1, verse 14, right, in reference to where the word took on flesh, right? Um, that's a well-known verse. So my question is, right, seeing that two persons of the Godhead came down from heaven, right, um, if you have Jesus pre-existing, and the spirit of God who came down after his baptism. So two of the persons of the Godhead came down from heaven. So I want to know which one took on flesh, right? Is it the one who Jesus is making known unto us, the one who is within him? Or is it Jesus himself, the person that we see? Which one of the persons took on flesh? Thank you. Uh, it's Jesus. It tells us that, that it's Jesus. Uh, so Jesus is the answer. 
okay, so um, yeah, the word. Well, the word took on the flesh. Like all we have is the word. The word doesn't say Jesus in John one one, right? It just says the word. If you read Revelation twenty one six, uh, is it twenty one six or is that the other one? Anyways, it's in Revelation. Happy to get you the actual verse, but it says, uh, you know what? Let me just do that. But yeah, in Revelation it tells us who the word is. It talks about the writer and he's uh, you know wearing a robe dipped in blood. Paints a pretty interesting picture, and it says, and his name is called the Word of God. So if people are honestly confused about John one. Um, then Revelation clears it up. So it says, who is the word of God? Is it a thought in the mind of God? Is it something else in the mind of God? Is the word of thought? Well, his name is the word of God. That is Jesus. Okay, so you would, all right, so that's fine. I, I would, I would. I mean, I would accept that. So, but you do agree that two persons of the Godhead did come down from heaven. Um, I'm also trying to figure out, this is my last question, right? I'm also trying to figure out, like, who is the person, right, of the spirit? Because we do know that there is only one only begotten son. So what is the relationship, if you guys can tell me, like, who is the person of the Holy Spirit and what relationship um, he have with a relationship that depicts two in heaven? Uh, yeah, let me, I just got the actual verse. So um, I, I was kind of listening to the other part, but maybe someone else can speak to that. But yeah, I want to just read this. So. Uh, then I saw he Revelation 13, I'll start at 11. Revelation then I saw 19, heaven open. 19, 19, 13, I think. Yeah, that's what I said, right? Did I say, or did I say 13? Anyways, it's Revelation 19, 13. Yeah, thanks. Um, then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah, do you accept okay. that answer for your first question? Um, yeah, sure, um, but not exactly because, like, what's the definition of the Word of God? Is it, you know, someone who um, conveyed the Word of God? Like, is that your definition of the Word of God? But his name is not called someone who conveyed the word of God. His name is called the word of God, the Logos. Uh, right. To you. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And and I totally get that because, um, like, we understand that our kids are called by our name. So I'm okay with Jesus being called word of God. But my definition of the word of God is someone who convey, like, the word of God, right? Like, a very, like, the only one that know God, he is the one who make God known unto us, right? So, but I agree that Jesus is being called the word, um, but the one who was making God known unto us, I think is the one who was within Jesus, right? He is the one who was giving Jesus the instructions to give unto us so we can know God. But no, you are correct. Um, he is called the word because he is called by his father name, the one who made him, and that's the one who indwelt him, the spirit of God. So, Without belaboring this, um, <laughs> it's like like I'll do that too sometimes when I like I totally don't agree, and I'll be like, well, I agree if, and then add a litany of stuff that I I challenge, but I I end up saying, well, you know, if you if you grant me all this other stuff, then I agree. Um, so for brevity sake sake, sure, I would just say that you know, um, you you did mention your definition. I'd say, well, your definition of the Bible's definition. Um, so you know, logos the um, in Revelation nineteen three or 13, you know, call the word of God. That is his name. 
Um, and then if you look at John 1, he was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. So the word wasn't called God. Um, the word is God. And then you see Jesus in Revelation 19, 13 is his name. Uh, so anyways, um, in that sense, we agree. Um, so um, hang on. You had a second question, though. Do you want to recap the second part and someone uh, can speak to that? I don't uh, remember what sure. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my second question was, like, you know, what's the relationship? Like, who was the person of the Holy Spirit? Right. Because we do see a father and son relationship that, you know, we see in the entire prologue of John 1 1. Right. Um, so who was the Holy Spirit? Like, you know, who is this person? What is the relationship that he have? Right. Um, in heaven. Right. Because um, I'm trying to figure it out because two persons, you know, came down from heaven. Right. So seeing that, you know, there is a relationship that depicts two in heaven, a father and son. So what's the relationship of the Holy Spirit? Who is he or who, what what is, you know, you know, who like what are we doing? Um, is it the anointing? Right. Is the spirit the anointing? Right. Because if so, that's Christ, the anointed one. If what you say is true, sure. However, that's wrong. Um, would anyone like to speak to that? The Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit. He's the third person of the Godhead. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you know what his job is, right, Sent? He's sent here to help us. Uh, when you read Acts chapter 5, you know, they called him God. When uh, Ananias and Sapphira came, they lied. And uh, Peter said, why did you lie to the Holy Ghost? He said, you've not lied to man, you've lied to God. So his job is to come here to be the helper, to help us, uh, to lead us into all truth. He's also called the spirit of truth leads us to what Jesus Christ has said, because see, that's the order of operation. God is a God of order. And so everything, you know, the job that Jesus came to do, he finished his work, said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another comforter who's going to be with you, right? To point, and if y'all hear a lot of noise in the background, I'm working back here. But yeah, he is God, the Holy Spirit as well. And his job is to, uh, bring forth confirmation to rebuke the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. He cannot be blasphemed because there's no forgiveness of that one. Uh, as Jesus told us, you know, he should bring all things to our remembrance, what Jesus Christ said. And so this is the reason we know uh, that he is God as well, right? He's not the talk of himself, but he's appointed us to Christ and talk about and confirm everything that Jesus said that he was going to do. And that's what he's here doing right now. He's working. Jesus is on the right hand resting while the Holy Spirit is here still doing the work. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah, no, look, I agree with that. Right. You know, amen. But, you know, my, my question was, you know, what's the relationship, right? So I know that the Spirit of God is God. It's clear, right? Um, but what is the relationship of the Spirit? Like, if you can place... Um, like a, let me see, like a, um, just what's the relation, right? Because we do have, that is as Jesus uh, depicts, as Jesus, no, okay, one second, one second, one second, one second. As, as Jesus described to us, 
um, he speaks of his father, right? Um, Jesus speaks unto us um, that, that he is the son, okay? But in terms of the Holy Spirit, you know, you know, like, you know, who, who, or what is it? You know, who, you know, who is it or what is it? Um, are you, you know, willing to say it is a son or it's a father? Um, do we have a title? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of God. It's the one hovering over the face of the deep in Genesis. When the father and son are talking about creating man in their image, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the face of the deep in a very present location. So that's the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. The father is the father. The son is the son. Okay. 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 Now, now, okay. Now I can, I can accept that. Right. Um, but I mean, I can accept that from you guys, but I did do a deeper looking into it. Okay. Um, from what we do have in the text now is clear. We all agree that two other persons of the Godhead came down from heaven. The Holy spirit is a person, right? Is speaking in the book of acts, right? Acts 13 to, um, when they were fasting and worshiping, the spirit told, um, told uh, Peter to separate Saul and Barnabas for me for the work I have prepared for them. So the spirit is a person, right? So we have two persons of the Godhead coming down from heaven. Now, what we see in John 3, 16, right? That God so loved the world, he gave his only... Sorry, I'm at work right now. Um, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, right? It, it, can, it can only be one, right? Now, we also heard a voice come down from heaven saying that this is my beloved son. So I'm like, do we have two, do we have two sons here? Like, is the most high God um, describing unto us one whom he have given, which is the spirit of God that came down from heaven? The spirit of God is God, is clear. And we can all agree that the spirit of God was giving Jesus some instructions, right? The message to convey unto us. Now, the voice of heaven came down. The voice that came down from heaven said that this is my beloved son. So are we willing to say that we have two sons, one only begotten son to represent no, the spirit no and the beloved that. son to represent Jesus? No, no one's willing to say that. That's false. No. Uh, no, 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 no. We do not have two sons. No, we do not uh, have two sons. No, no, no two sons. Sorry. Well, uh, Bubby, you got anything to say? Wonderful. Good to hear from you. How about you, Chris? CEO, Sean? You guys have anything to say? Um, I was just curious um, how, I guess, how he came up with that and why it was something oh. he's very passionate about. He's something he's very passionate about, so I was curious about it. Sorry, Nate, I apologize. I wish I could well, dial it back. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. wrong about <laughs> um, well, I mean, if you listen to Bob talk for a little bit, he's very, very passionate too. But you know, <clears throat> my fault. I repent. <laughs> well, uh, my friend sent. He believed that Jesus Christ was created. That that's one of the first problems right there. Okay, thank you. That's useful context. I appreciate it. Well, let's see. Does anyone else down there have anything to say about anything? Send us some invites. Feel free to join us or not. Thanks. Yeah, Good morning, look, I, just, I just sit back just trying to figure this stuff out, right? You know, just try to, try to make it make sense. So, but yeah, I appreciate the.
I mean, I just still think it's strange that Chris thinks like if Dr. John Maxwell on a Sunday wants to teach about leadership, that this is in violation of the Bible. That just seems so strange to me. I don't know. If, did he say it was in violation or just something that they would never think of doing? I guess we can make Chris say whatever we want because he's not speaking right now. So, uh. All right. Well, on this note, it's only a few minutes away from having to leave anyway. But, uh, yeah, I guess let's call it a day. Happy Monday, everyone. Well, enjoy your day. And every time I say, like, peace be with you, people are like, wow, you religious people are so crazy with all your, like, rituals and stuff. I'm like, I do it as, like, a joke. I mean, you know, I don't want, like, non-peace. I don't want strife to be with you. But I mean, you know, a normal like, all right, go have a, have an awesome day. Bye. See you guys later. Peace uh, out. Nate, I cannot but, I cannot find your LinkedIn message. If you could resend it, I'd appreciate it. Oh, uh, yeah, I'll try. Oh, yeah, ha 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 ha. You can't find it. Ask me why you can't find it. Because LinkedIn is the devil. That's why. Um, <laughs> twice, twice they have uh, suspended my account for saying I'm not who I say I am. I've submitted my driver's license to these people twice. And they keep suspending me. So I think, I mean, what else am I supposed to think? I'm like one of the very, very rare people that may have a legitimate technical difficulty, or they maybe don't like some of the Christian titles in my podcast that get linked. Or there, it's just or one person, Nate, <clears throat> in fairness, one person who is influenced the wrong way does not represent all of LinkedIn. So it could be that. I don't know, man. I know it's twice, and I am giving up. So LinkedIn doesn't want me. They don't need me. I don't need them. So uh, I tried, and uh, yeah, that's not meant to be. So um, yeah, that, that's why you can't find the message. It must have been like auto-deleted. <clears throat> Anyways, that's why. <laughs> yeah, uh, can you can you send me like your actual email, and I'll send it to you that way? Yeah, I'll send it to you right now. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Anyways, everyone else, before I go on a tirade... Um, about about that experience. Um, yeah, everyone have an awesome Monday and we'll catch you all later. Take care.